1991, grunge music had finally killed hair metal, and in the city of Los Angeles, California, there was a controversy brewing. One day before a feature film was to be released, the city of Los Angeles declared it Freddy Krueger Day, and the entire populace was frustrated and shocked that the city of Los Angeles would be honoring a serial killer, much less a serial killer of children. The film that was being released the next day in 1991 was the film we we're watching tonight. That is Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. <laughs> and it is that's a really good one. Kid. Part three <laughs> on our horror in the 90s series. Hey, and our first uh, Freddy Krueger movie. I know you've been pushing for this for a while. Well, I've been pushing for number three, but I'll take six. I'll take what I can get. Guys, I'm wearing striped socks. Oh, for Freddy Krueger. Nice. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine There'll be smiles, there'll be tears You won't watch a movie for about 8 billion years It's time for death by video Time for death by video And now the show will begin. I'm Phil. Hey, I'm Kip. I'm Lil. And I'm Graham. We're all back together, yay, yay. for a fun-filled episode on what is probably known as the worst film in... Alright, so Wait, that's the first... Who's the lead singer? Um, uh, and, like, like error... Of Phil yeah. and Kit are discussing their m- mutual love of hair metal, apparently. <laughs> we're we're but, discussing uh, suicidal tendencies. The hair metal greats. Oh, yeah, suicidal tendencies. We're not a hair metal band. Yeah, they no, were, not uh, at all. Well, I don't know, like an original they, screamo they band. They kind of were, like... I'd say they were in the hardcore scene of the era, because they were on... Yeah, a little bit. More metal later on. Yeah, yeah, it was that weird era when, like, you know... Uh, Metallica played punk and Anthrax rapped. Um, mm. Things were crossing over. We didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, dogs and cats were living together. The nineties were chaos. a crazy time. The nineties, brah. Um, yeah, that, that was ninety-one. The Public Enemy Anthrax collaboration. Mm-hmm. Ninety-one was when Metallica finally sold out with the Black Album. Mm-hmm. Didn't Rancid and Cypress Hill do an album together? I th- although I think that was, that was recently. Later on. Yeah, and if you want to throw recent. some more weirdness into it, I think uh, Sisters of Mercy. Sisters of Mercy toured with them too, Public Enemy and. Oh yeah, the Sisters of Mercy Public Enemy tour, the ill-fated. That that was a. That was quite surreal. uh, That was quite surreal learning about that one. Yeah. It's a golden age Mm -hmm. of rap rock, ladies and gentlemen. It gave us both Rage Against Machine and later Limp Bizkit. Oh, the nader. <laughs> it's like this... My biscuit just went limp. Kit, you've been wanting to do a Freddy Krueger movie for a long, long time. Well, only for the... Like, this is... 
<laughs> so uh, we're we're kind of a genre podcast, but we're also uh, with the leaning towards horror mostly. We're everything podcast, but we yeah, are. But I think an exploitation, I'd say. But horror kind of enca- encapsulates everything as well. There's romance. There's comedy. It really does. Horror is everywhere. <laughs> so that was like, as a kid at, at a sleepover, that was my first like kind of. I don't want to say bad horror movie, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah. this, this isn't winning awards or anything like that. This is just like murder and it was movies Freddy for Kruger the people. killing people. Movies for the sleep. proletariat. Yeah, Patricia Arquette gets eaten by a giant snake version of Freddy. It was it was mm-hmm. quite wild. Yeah, that was uh, Dream Warriors. Or no, sorry. Yeah, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that was her film de- acting debut. Mm-hmm. It could have been. Yeah, it was close or to one it. of her first. One of them, yeah. That was also... Um, Lawrence Fishburne's in that movie, too. Lawrence that's Fishburne. the Larry Fishburne era. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, man. I miss the Larry Fishburne era when he was doing cool movies. Was that um, then he was Ike Turner, and then he was uh, Lawrence Fishburne after that? Yeah, that was, yeah. I think that was his, the Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne debut. That was also... That script was also co-written by... Uh, was it Fred Deckard and... Um, uh, Shawshank Redemption guy. Are we Want talking about Frank what? Darabont. Frank Darabont. Sorry, Frank Darabont, not Frank Darabont. Fred Decker was not involved with Dream Warriors, as far as I know. But yeah, Frank no, Darabont, yeah. Wes Kramer, an early draft. Uh, Bruce Wagner, uh, the novelist slash mm-hmm. screenwriter. Yeah. Bruce Wagner wrote the screenplay for Maps to the Stars. Oh, wow. And he was behind that Wild Palms uh, show that Oliver Stone produced. I don't in even know. 90s, but I know there, there's lots of connections to the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series and anyway, like yeah, and Hollywood. So, but the reason why I've been uh, gung ho on Freddy is because that was my, you know, my first love, so to speak. You, on the other hand, have been decidedly anti-Freddy. Yes, I am decidedly anti-Freddy. There's an anti-Freddy bias coming from your side of the room. Because nothing... I'm also Team Freddy. I, I can talk a bit about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not because as a young child... I never child, watched the Friday the 13th uh, uh, movies either as a kid, so I don't have the connection that you well, do. My, my attitude is that... Uh, Night, Freddy Krueger is hair metal. Friday the Thirteenth is punk rock. Um, both good genres. <laughs> <laughs> we all laugh like that's true. Well, uh, I, I guess, I guess the hair metal argument does stick because uh, Dawkins did do the theme to Dream, Dream Warriors. Warriors. But if Freddy is mm-hmm. also it's hair metal, Freddy is also old school rap because the Fat, the fat Boys. boys. Uh, are you ready for Freddy? Oh, yeah. God, that's right. And not to mention Will, Will Smith's Smith, fam- yeah. famous Nightmare Nightmare on, on My Street. My Street. Yeah. yeah, which was my like introduction to hip-hop as well. Yeah, of course. We all have weird, <laughs> weird anyways. No, my thing was I was petrified of Freddy Krueger. Like you say, like at sleepovers, if there was a sleepover for me and they were saying we're going to watch a Freddy Krueger movie, I'd be like, I'm not going. I distinctly remember having nightmares about Freddy Krueger and then finally mm-hmm. seeing Friday the 13th. I uh, know Nightmare on Elm Street Part yeah. 3, and then it's like, no, this is kind of a goof, though. Like, it's not that scary, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Well, that was the thing. I didn't start watching the Freddy Krueger movies until first year, first great, year of university. Great and sleepover material. By, by the time I saw the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and because uh, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 1, and then I watched uh, New Nightmare back-to-back, um, I was kind of like, eh, it's not that, eh. Uh, okay, I can mm-hmm. see it. You but just weren't also, introduced to them, right? And also, it's just sort of like, you know, the kind of horror, like, I like ghost stories. Like, I really love The Haunting of Hill House, the new series that, uh, but no, new, like, a year ago. And I, I really enjoy, like, slashers, like, pure slashers, like Friday the 13th or, you know, other wacko ones like um, My Bloody Valentine and whatnot. And Freddy Krueger, just like, I always held that grudge from a kid. Like, I had more nightmares, more stressed out, more like any time. So nothing would scare me more than a friend of mine would be like, oh, at my birthday party, we're watching... Freddy Krueger 5 or whatever. And I'm like, no, I can't watch it. I can't watch the it. The Dream Child. And and they would be like, we're going to watch it. We're going to watch it. We're going to watch it. And I would like freak out and cry. And then well, their parents. He's the ultimate boogeyman, right? Me and my exactly. Me and, me and my buddies also used to collect these uh, tops 
cards that was a yeah. horror series. I don't know if yeah. anybody remembers these. It's, it's very odd how like Freddy Krueger was explicitly marketed towards children. Yeah, it, there Freddy were was in boxes. that. Uh, Jason yeah. was not no. in those cards, so that's why I have more Jason of attention. Paramount. But then also it was like Pumpkinhead, Ghostbusters, Alien, Aliens, both both the Alien movies were in there for Any some reason. RoboCop, because yeah. RoboCop was really marketed to children around that time yeah. as well. No, because it was all, it had a, a interest towards a horror and gore. The but late 80s was were very Poltergeist like all and these, uh, Fright yeah. Night movies. Oh, and The um, Fly. And those oh. were the movies that they used. <laughs> David Cronenberg's Meditation Whatever and Metamorphosis. Whatever they had rights to, basically. Pretty That's much, exactly. yeah. But it, it's also interesting how like the 80s just marketed so much R-rated material to children. Yep. I never really got it, and like as a child, like my my one like of my friends, in those packs too. Yeah, one of my friends in high in, in high school in uh, before junior high primary school came to like my Halloween party dressed as Freddy Krueger, and that freaked me out. Like, well, I had uh, it was just no, and because like I used to have to sleep curled up in a ball in my bed because I was afraid Freddy Krueger was come out going to come out of my headboard, See? and the gremlins were going to eat my feet. The only you thing you need seen the movies. I hadn't seen the movies now. Wow. He has now. This explains now. so much, Graham. Then. Yeah. Wow. It does. I understand your grudge now. But yeah. the thing is, you, like me, should have just watched one, and then you, like me, would have been like, oh, this is just, this is goofy stuff. This is just fun. Well, I watched Gremlins 2 when I was in grade 2, and I had to, so they showed it in class for our movie day, and I cried because I was so afraid and told my teacher I was scared of scary. I didn't like scary movies, and I was afraid was of them. Was it the lettuce gremlin? That I don't I don't know. It was all just like the fact that there were these creepy little monsters that could come out of any little corner and do whatever they wanted. Just what? really. Why did you pull a 360? Um, didn't he? It was, well, I got it. Here's the thing. What got me into horror wasn't the, the normal stuff that gets people into horror, like Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or Halloween. It was, they had a article on Resident Evil 2, and within it they had an article on zombie movies. And I was like, this is such a crazy, weird concept. And it, it told me about Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Return of the Living Dead. And then that just set me off on my path. Um, so yeah, I was into more like the, the zombie films back then, um, before they got cool. Sorry, I mean, guys. Oh. I mean, I, I was scared of stupid stuff when I was... Like, I ran out of the room during the uh, Ewoks made-for-TV movies. Those were intense? Because there was a giant in one of them, and you could hear him coming, but you couldn't <laughs> see him. And I was like, I'm out of here. I don't want to see him. Um, and then I was showing you that um, the still for that Disney movie, uh, the Mr. Boogity. Mr. Boogity was the Disney Freddy Krueger knockoff, yeah. Yeah, it terrified me as a kid. That guy's face. Yeah, like, there was... I was too scared to go into the horror section, like a jumbo video. Yeah. All those scary boxes, the blob, the, the I know. blob remake, Hellraiser was the one that always oh, freaked me out. I'm like, freaky one what could it. this movie possibly contain? It must be like 90 minutes of just torture and awfulness. Yeah, the blob's the worst, and then like whatever screen caps were on the back of the Nightmare on Elm Street boxes, like, nope. Oh, not yeah, this. yeah, yeah, I know. And that was the thing, like, you had that, like, you or can't... Monkey Shines box. <laughs> I know. You yeah. cannot explain to a young person today what it was, like, walking into the video store and seeing the horror selection with a... Definitely had, like, Puppet a Freddy Krueger, stand, like, standee, like, cardboard standee, because I always remember the one from The Dream Child, which was right in the front window of my video store in Harbor Grace, Newfoundland. And I was like, no, not going in. It's just, yeah, it's just Freddy with the, the, the yeah. pram there, and he's, like... Uh, Holding the finger... Uh, the, his claw. His claw to, to his, like, to his lip. Sh- yeah, my, my uncle uh, owned a couple video franchises um, mm-hmm. in it was the video city. video flicks, right? 
uh, it was like Totally Video, I think is what it's mm-hmm. called, or Ultra Video. Nice. They own two franchises. They did well. I think I've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before, but he would get these uh, magazines, like industry mm-hmm. magazines, like here's what's upcoming. Yeah. And I would get a hold of them because I guess they knew I liked looking at movie posters. I was fascinated with the mm-hmm. entertainment section. I liked seeing the yeah. rating and stuff. Like I was really into Well, that was me. I would kid. watch Entertainment Tonight three times a day because it was on three different channels. Yeah. And um, I was, it would fascinate me like what movies got PG-13, what movies got R mm-hmm. ratings. Yeah, and you're like, here. I thought wow. it was weird for that. Like Bobcat Goldthwait talking horse movie rated R. That's interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, I would like any free mini poster that they would have at like the movie theater. I would take one of those. I'd stick it on my door. Nice. There you go. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. so like, oh, yeah, I've got a movie poster of Hoffa on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, boy, did we digress. Um, so, guys, uh, let's do a quick lightning round. Have we seen anything good? Like, I've been watching some horror movies. I kind of fell off my path. But, uh, Phil, have you seen anything good recently? Quick. No, like, I've, I've really fallen off. Like, I tried watching a mirror and I dozed off. Mm. A mirror is very boring. Yeah. It's, it's very, like, I have no idea how the people that made... Let the corpse stand. Let the stand. Made a mirror. Like, to let the corpse stand. Every five minutes, bang, 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 bang. A mirror. We're gonna slowly just watch this so empty slow. room with like a slight breeze in the window and, and heavy just, breathing. Yeah, for God. twenty minutes. It's very long <laughs> and very boring. I tried to watch it last year and I stopped because I was like just very bored with it. Yeah, I bored it from the yeah. water. Yeah, like I. Yeah, no, I'm no, no. If you want to watch yeah. a movie by those people, watch Let the Corpses Stand because it's like constant bep, 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 yeah. one, like hitting you in the face constantly um, kid have you watched anything interesting since we last recorded uh, it's mainly TV I just finished uh, season 2 of Succession which is oh, excellent I heard it's quite good oh yeah are you on Succession Twitter uh, sort of I appreciate it at least I'm okay. like I do get it oh Succession mm-hmm. clips out of context I'm gonna laugh <laughs> <laughs> um, so I enjoy that and also the Righteous Gemstones ended uh, only one season for that and it's yeah. good it ends well is it um, one and done one and done yep Shite. I believe okay. so, anyway. Mm. I guess they could do more, but they should probably stick to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, oh, I tried watching that Dark. You ever watch, try to watch that on Netflix? What's it called? I Dark? It's the it. German show. Oh, no. I heard it's supposed to be good, but I haven't seen it. I watched episode one. It's just, it's a very slow burn, and then right at the end, some messed up stuff happens. So maybe I'll return Like to all it. good German cinema, here's two hours of boredom. Oh, my God. Five so slow. Of, Holy crap. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. Show. Oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, could be good. Mm. Lillian, have you seen anything since we last recorded? Nine. Nine. Um, <laughs> I've seen a bunch of stuff. I uh, I can't remember. Did we? Did I t- tell you about Count Dracula's Vampire Bride in the last episode? Yeah, you did. Okay, because I haven't edited that episode. Well, you've, been doing your, be going up. you've been doing your Halloween countdown. Trying to, and I've fallen way off the past. I did watch um, the new Stephen King adaptation, In the Tall Grass, which was based on a novella by Stephen King and Joe Hill, oh, a.k.a. I was mm. going to check that out. How Joseph was, how Hillstrom was King? Yes. Yeah, but it's quite good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's um, it's, it's very interesting. It's like that's the kind of movie I can see Netflix doing well, where it's like there's not much to it other than, hey, there's this tall grass and you walk into it and you get lost forever. Um, Sounds terrifying, actually. It, it is quite terrifying. And Patrick, well, that's the end of Field of Dreams, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sequel, Field of Dreams Two, in the tall grass. It's actually very menacing mm-hmm. that that grass yeah, where it takes people. <laughs> Anyways, it, it was really... It, well, it's, it's Iowa, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. So much corn. Yeah. It's pretty It's pretty terrifying. It's kind of It's kind of fun. Um, there's little great set designs. Like, there's an old church, which is a bunch of cars that, like, are from different eras all parked there. And you're like, what's that about? And then you realize later on, like, oh, it's because there's all these people that stopped, pulled off the road, and then went into the tall grass and never came back. So it's, like, been collecting people for decades. And there's some cool twists along the way and stuff like that. 
That is a frightening idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, quite good. So, without further ado, let's get into Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Woo-hoo. We'll be right back. As a boy, he was always different. No one understood him. You ready for it, boy? It's time to take your medicine. Thank you, sir. No one could control him. Go inside, honey. But now, it's a new beginning. The beginning of the end for Freddy. Every town has an Elm Street. Get your mind or go for it. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little soul, too. We're gonna have to hit him with everything we've got. Now I'm playing with power. We're in Twin Peaks here. Be me and him. You want to live? Maggie, watch out! What's with kids today, huh? Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. They saved the best for last. And that was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. We had to say goodbye to Lily, and she turned into a pumpkin if she doesn't get home by 1130, 1030. She was too scared. It was, it was too frightening. I know. It was a very, very terrifying film. It's right up there with Haxon. It's Hacks the Final Nightmare, or, <laughs> unfortunately. I know. It says right on the poster, they saved the best for last. I yes. wish there was, I wish there was, a, I wish there was an asterisk <laughs> next to it on the poster saying, they saved the best for last asterisk, and then at the bottom of the poster in very fine print, taste is subjective. Do not like... Who, who's to say what the best is? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I like to see a lawsuit against mm-hmm. New Line Cinema. Yeah. So basically, we should talk about the origins of this film and how it came about. Um, so it's based on some previous films, mm-hmm. well, the, the, um, starring the Freddy character, I believe. Yes. Um, so with the series, it, the series has interesting ups and downs because it was really in uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street three and four when Freddy became the MTV icon that he did in the late '80s and early '90s. Also, these films came out really fast. If you look at um, what you call it. Uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. That took place like their films came out over. They've had a decade. A decade, which Freddy kind of like Freddy. The first like Nightmare on Elm Street. Two decades though, wasn't it? I mean, the first Friday. Um, first was Friday the Thirteenth, 1980. And then you got like by the time you're getting to mm-hmm. Jason X, we're we're at the that end was, of the nineties. No, that was the two thousands. Yeah, Jason so X was actually was actually actually came out in. Um, uh, 2002, and it was supposed to come out in the year 2000. Meanwhile, as we saw yeah. with uh, with with Freddy's Dead at the end of it, or no, it was a poster that you showed me, but uh, mm-hmm. a seven-year lifespan apparently. Yeah, he. So the first Freddy film in the official canon series. Now, of course, was, this is not the final nightmare as we know. No, there no, are no. two other films that are. Yeah, it's 1984. There's 
three other films. Yeah, 1984 was the first Friday the 13th. And then they rushed Sorry, to Nightmare 2 in 85. And they cut out Wes Craven, I, and they initially wanted to recast Freddy Krueger with just the stuntman, but yeah. uh, but they actually, and they, I think they tried it for like a week and realized it wasn't the same without Robert Englund because he brought so much to the role. Um, and yeah, because like the second one, it made its money, but it was widely maligned, so. Yes. In a lot of ways, the third one is like the true sequel to Yeah, the because you bring back Nancy, uh, played yeah. by Heather Landenkamp, and there, um, and also John Saxon for a scene. Um, and Wes Craven mm-hmm. was involved. involved. He had some creative input, just sort of like on how again, because he he sold all of his rights to Freddy Krueger and kind of walked away from it, which is why he kept on trying to make new Freddy's, like with Shocker, which was a was supposed oh, to be about Shocker and the people under the stairs. Yeah, um, yeah, he mm-hmm. had a few of those. He had a few. Where he was trying to create other other get other franchises going that he owned. Um, uh, then he, he got Scream. He finally mm-hmm. did get that, I guess. Well, he didn't own that franchise. That, he oh, just no? kept coming back for it. No, that it was, was always called West Craven Scream, wasn't it? No, or, it's just no? Scream. Okay. Um, that's and that's why West Craven's New Nightmare is called West Craven's New Nightmare. So because that was like, one year before is, Scream came out. Though. Uh, that was two years. Two years. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so basically, three and four hit new financial heights, and also I'd, I'd argue creative heights. I'm not a fan of the series, but you have to point like. They are when you think of what a Freddy Krueger movie is, it's part three and part four. Yeah, even the uh, f- Freddy Six acknowledges this. Uh, it opens with a with a ridiculous uh, Nietzsche quote, as of course it does. Um, I forget. It starts like, "Do you know the terror of he who fell falls asleep to the very toes, etc., etc." Mm-hmm. And then it follows up quickly with a quote from Friday three from Nightmare from on Street three, part three, which is, uh, "Welcome to primetime, bitch." I like it. I kind of feel this would be like if you're doing an all-night horror marathon, this would be a great film to like play like third or fourth when people are kind of getting drowsy and you see like the Nietzsche quote and you're like, what is this? And then all of a sudden the Freddy Krueger croak comes up and you're like, oh, it's a Freddy movie. Oh no, it's part five. Part six. Part six. Part six. I was wrong. out of ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is the end of the official Fre- uh, Freddy Cannon series, as it's known. Like, the, the canon, the the. the Does core. Freddy vs. Jason not count? Um, there's debate. It's debatable. Like, on... I, in the early 2000s, was a big frequenter of the Friday the 13th Films.com web series, uh, website, which had a very active uh, message board, which featured the writer and director of Jason X, because Jason X got delayed for, like, two years and getting released, so, like, they actually engaged with fans. And then it led me to a bunch of Nightmare on Elm Street um, threads where they were very, very, very uh, derisive of New Nightmare because they were like, this is not Freddy. It's He's so not meta. Freddy. It's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not the same. My Freddy died in 1991. <laughs> My Freddy died. I'm going to get a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> My Freddy died in 1991. Um, Fuck so your nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Nightmare on Elm Street purists. Like, yeah. Freddy's dead. It's the yeah. Freddy's dead promo. The only good Freddy is a dead Freddy. Um, um, so yeah, so so it was very derisive, and then I don't know, like it's definitely Freddy Krueger, but but the Freddy Krueger in uh, Freddy vs Jason is actually I think more in line with the Freddy Krueger of parts one and part three, less where so. he doesn't talk really. He's not well, he talks in it, but he's he's not really like super hammy, like wearing a, a tuxedo and oh, he's stuff. he's making faces in this one. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so he um, he's, he's breaking the fourth wall. He's, he's winging up a camera. Bus. Yeah, he plays the Wicked Witch of the West. Um, it's all over the place. And then so part four was a huge financial success. So they did part five, The Dream Child, which didn't do that well financially or critically. So they 
thought, hey, maybe we've actually pushed our luck. We pumped out so many sequels to this. We've created an icon. He's made us money. They had the Freddy Nightmares TV series. They had the Freddy Krueger 1-800 line where you could call and have Robert Englund go vaguely remember narrate some, or maybe it was a 1-900 yeah. line or something where he you would like actually hear original content by Freddy Krueger, like Robert Englund playing Freddy Krueger. Just a record tape recording. There yeah, were video games. Kids were regularly dressing up as Freddy for Halloween. Exactly. It was a, it was a whole like mm-hmm. yeah, it was a sleepover thing. And so with with Nightmare Five, which came out in 1990, they were like maybe. You know, the decade of Freddy was the 80s, and now we're moving to something else. So they they actually decided, you know, because Bob Shea, the head of New Line, said that New Line Cinema was the house that Freddy built, which is an interesting take on it because, like, those films were what kept New Line alive. Because New Line was mostly a distributor in the 70s and early 80s. Like, they put out Reefer Madness in the 70s on the Midnight Circuit. They put out a lot of early John Waters films. They, I think they did the theatrical release for the first Evil Dead movie, maybe. Okay. Um, so they did a lot of, they were a lot of just, they didn't really produce things, they just distributed stuff. And so A Nightmare on Elm Street was really where they, they sowed their oats. And they also, that allowed them to make the house party movies. And Oh, God, I forgot all about Kid and Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, te- they tapped into the, to the quote-unquote urban market of the, of the late 80s and early 90s with the house party there was series. There like four of those, wasn't there? Three, I think. Okay. I don't think I, think, I think the fourth one was straight to video, but it probably didn't have oh, wow. kid or play. <laughs> it, had, it had only one of the uh, kid and play. Yeah. Didn't kid kid and, play. and or play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they actually decided, well, the My best son of house party. <laughs> the best way to end this, because they looked at the uh, and they and they did intend for this to be the final but that's like, a, like every franchise did that. Like but, Jason, but, like well, with J- yeah, with Jason, that was like it was more like for them. That was the fourth one. That though. was the fourth one. Yeah, but yeah. the fourth one for uh, that was more Paramount getting like a lot of critis- like pressure from parents groups and also their shareholders because Paramount was the prestigious uh, yeah. mm-hmm. distributor that released The Godfather, that released Love Story, that released these like you know high end prestige projects, and here they were pumping out. You know, down and dirty slasher. Well, it was such a cash cow that they just had to keep going. Well, that's what that's why, like they they it meant for the final fr- uh, for um for the final yeah, chapter. Like, the final chapter. Spent with Jason, we'll uh we'll just run. Yeah. Like, well, Roy will pick up the torch yeah. going forward. And oh, Roy from part five. Um, <laughs> but uh, but with with New Line, they're like, let's give him a proper send up because this was not a low budget like thing it they actually like let's get the newest and new and special effects they had yeah they did they did 3d and this was actually the first ever 3d film that new line cinema ever produced or distributed and like johnny depp came back for it like which which i don't think anyone was expecting because this was when you know post hill street blues basically he had become a movie star at this point the star of crybaby was a teen idol hill street blues he was on 21 sorry 21 jump street i get them all confused yeah already been like what Mm -hmm. uh edward scissorhands uh, came out in 90 and cry baby came yeah, out in 90. so he's pretty big yeah he was dating winona at this time yeah. i don't know if he got the the winona winona forever Inc. aka wino forever yes <laughs> so yeah like the budget of this for for a film of this size it was 11 million dollars and like you saw it all on screen like there was oh yeah this sure. was top-notch production design it was really really uh, i think for a film that Silicon Valley's finest were working on yeah, this. Yeah, that that I, I think was, you know, it was entertaining but not great. Like, it's interesting because this film is also known for people who are purists of the series as being like, oh, it's garbage, it's the worst, it's unwatchable. I found it very watchable for someone, I, for someone who's, who's not a fan of the series. Like, I thought it was fun. I really enjoy it. I always love early night i love stuff from early in any decade where people don't really know what the decade is yet so this is before nirvana but definitely they're like okay hair metal is definitely dead 
and they have all these proto grunge songs in it, and then Iggy Pop sings the final song, and also there's in you a mean, God um, a Billy Idol. No, Iggy Pop sang the final song. It is oh, Iggy, Iggy Pop, Pop yeah. Why did yeah. I think Billy Idol? Iggy the Golden mm -hmm. Razzie nominated w nomination for worst original song. This was. That was it. Was got a Razzie nomination? Wow! I found on Wikipedia wow. Page. Yeah. wow! Wow! I did not know that. Um, I mean, the Razzies are uh, you mm -hmm. know, they're what they are. Yeah. So we should point out that, that this film is the first film from director uh, Rachel Talale. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's T A L A L A Y. Good job, Rachel. Talale. Um, so she went on to direct the, the films Ghost in the Machine, which is not to be confused with Ghost in the Shell, and Tank Girl. Um, Glory Petty. Yeah, with Ghost in the Machine. Um, not, but not Ghost in the Shell. It's, I know, I know, I know. I'm trying yeah, to remember Ghost, remembers in the Ghost in the Machine. Ghost in the Machine was the killer computer movie, right? Was that the Edward Furlong one? No, that's Brain no, Scan. That's Brain Scan. Yeah. Okay. So, um, go, yeah. So after Tank Girl, which was a it tanked. Um, sorry for the pun. That was actually probably her like that was her last feature film. She then went on to direct a lot of television. She was previously a producer. And she produced the John Waters films Hairspray and Crybaby. And 99% of the crew from Crybaby went right from Crybaby into Freddy's Dead, which is probably how she got Johnny Depp because she worked Yeah, it's probably before. like he didn't have to leave the set. It's like, can you do this little cameo? And he's like, yeah, it was my, it was my big actually, break. Actually, I, I think New Line put out Crybaby and Hairspray as well. Um, she was no, also. Uh, Hairs oh, yeah, Hairspray yeah. was New Line. Um, Crybaby was Universal. Oh, interesting. Um. She was also a producer on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, and Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, so she kind of knew the series. Um, she threw out the original script that had been written, because in the original script, it was interesting because it tied in more directly to the previous films than this one did. Um, in the original script, um, a 15-year-old Jacob Johnson, uh, the character John Doe in this film, played by Sean, what's his nuts? Um, uh, yeah, Greenblatt. Sean Greenblatt. Spells his name S-H-O-N, by the way. So 90s. Unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Sean Greenblatt, best known, oh, well, this is, this is his second best known film. His first best known film is Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, co-starring Billy Bob Thornton. He has basically a healthy mix of, mm -hmm. like, James and Bobby from Twin Peaks, I'd say. Just basically... Yeah. He was in Newsies, as Phil pointed out before we started recording, um, and then not much else from what I can recall. Yeah, he looks like a guy who would have been in Newsies. Yeah. Same haircut. But anyways, he was he plays the character of John Doe, who is this, this quote-unquote teenager, because he looks quite old, who he's, he's cannot like remember who he is. So he was actually supposed to be Jacob Johnson, the son of Alice Johnson, who was played by... Uh, Patricia Arquette in Nightmare 3. And Dream then, Child. And so then played by a different actress whose name I'm going to look up right now. Uh, Lisa Wilcox. Really? That's a name. Oh, no. She's not the character from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Sorry, guys. So it was just a different woman who had a dream child. A different... Oh, she was the best friend... Of course. Of Kirsten... That's of, the link. She was the best friend of Patricia Arquette's character in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the dream... Master Warriors, 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 and then who is played by Tuesday Night is the same character in Nightmare Four. There we go. So Alice Johnson was the major character. She was uh, one of the Dream War Warriors from Nightmare Three. Uh, she was the star of Nightmare Four. That she was the Dream Master, and then um, I 
think she was in Nightmare 5. I, yes, she was in Nightmare 5. I think the Dream Child was... Is that it? I don't know. Nightmare 5. We'll watch the, the, it. It's the Dream Child, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways... Um, and this was supposed to tie in more into those previous two films, like with the actual Dream Warriors from Part 3 coming back. Um, and then they were to become the Dream Police uh, and actually go after Freddy Krueger. But uh, she threw out this idea and just went with uh, Michael DeLuca wrote, basically rewrote the script on the spot. And it was interesting because Michael DeLuca went on to become the president of New Line Cinema, producing films like Boogie Nights and The Social Network. And he also shepherded in Austin Powers and the Rush Hour series. Um, and I think... Or right before that, he wrote uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Right. Um, I think he was also involved in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But he brought, was brought in to rewrite Nightmare 5, The Dream Child, like, again, right before production. So he was kind of like, why wasn't I brought in to begin with? But he rewrote it quick, kind of discarded all the characters from Nightmare 3, 4, and 5. And we just went with uh, the current film, but or with the, the current characters in this film, which is uh, Freddy's daughter, played by Lisa Zane, although we don't know it's Freddy's daughter. They're I mean, John, we figured it out. We figured it out. <laughs> we figured it out because I pointed out. But um, the thing is... Uh, John Doe, it's hidden, it's actually cleverly hidden by people, if we didn't know, that it's set up that John Doe was supposed to be Freddy's son, which is why he did, Freddy didn't kill him in his previous interactions with him. Um, what else was I going to talk about with this? Um, oh yeah, she threw out the original script. Um, so interestingly enough, another director was also in talks to direct this film before, uh, Rachel Tully. And that director's name was... Martin Scorsese. Peter Jackson. Oh, snap. Yeah. And he actually wrote a script which was set in kind of like this future where Freddy is very, very weak. And so kids actually take sleeping pills to go and dream, to go into the dream world, to beat him up for kicks. Oh, come on. <laughs> but then one kid screws up. Freddy manages to, like, Freddy, like, manages to kill him. And that reignites it. Oh, because he, he is a harvester of souls. That's yeah, exactly. what Freddy does. He harvests his soul. Allegedly, well, in this movie he is. In the first one, he's just a ghost. Um, yeah, this movie also introduces a lot of like late last minute canon to the character as well. Like there's dream demons that actually came to him while he was burning alive. <laughs> yeah, they um, do. Which they introduced we in the last 20 minutes montage, of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, Robert Englund without the, without the mm -hmm. makeup doing, uh, yeah, doing, doing some bad stuff. Frederick Kruger role. Mm -hmm. I was uh, mentioning while we were watching it is one of my favorite things in the series and it usually happens once a film mm -hmm. where a character will be like oh that's that's Fred Krueger's house um, the film also like because of Freddy Krueger's like pop culture like cachet at the time like we have a cameo from not just Johnny Depp but from Roseanne Barr at the time she's known as Roseanne Arnold and her husband and Tom, Tom Arnold, Arnold yeah. who are credited in the credits as Mr. and Mrs. Tom Arnold it's wacky. It makes no sense, their cameo, really. Yeah. It's just, it's played for yucks. It's just, here's some famous people. They come in, they play characters who have lost their children. They go back to the town of Springwood, which is now, this is also a, almost a post-apocalyptic movie or a dystopian movie where yeah. Springwood has been totally decimated and turned into this ghost town. And it's like, there's no kids because I guess Freddy killed them all. Yeah, it kind of starts off with like the thing like, you know, massive amounts of teenagers have, like, died. Or there's, like, one teenager left from Springwood. So what the adults mm -hmm. have done is they haven't left the town, but they've just gone completely insane. They've lost their mind. <laughs> or just plain old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that too. That well. Yeah, it's so uh, one of the characters, they made a then topical reference that has aged surprisingly well. Uh, it's like Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. 
That would be, uh, actually, we, we, I don't know if we mentioned, but Brecken Myers in this film. I don't know if it's his film debut. I don't know either. It's an early one, Yeah, I think, I kind of remember him as a kid in some movie before this, too. Yeah, But he has a fascinating... Bowl cut type with a with a he's got the he's got the the early '90s mushroom cut which we all know and love. Mm -hmm. But he somehow combined that with a ponytail at the back. Yeah, I don't know how it happens. I'm pretty sure if he undoes does that ponytail, he's got a horrendous mullet. That's why he keeps it uh, mm-hmm. ponytailed. Up. He plays the stoner character yes. of Spencer. I love uh, the characters. This is true mm-hmm. of all most, uh, well, slasher films, but Nightmare does it too, where it's like, oh, you got the tough girl, and then you've got like the kind of wisecracking, vaguely Latino man, and then you've got the um, <laughs> whose name is Carlos, <laughs> who has a hearing aid, and then you've got the stoner guy, and then you've got yeah. the, um, I guess, the transplant from the last movies, who's kind of a crazy guy, a loose cannon. Well, he wasn't in the last movies, though, that's the but thing. But I, I guess he's supposed to he's a hint. sort they, of be from there. They, well, that's the thing, they kept that character to keep the through line, but they erased his entire backstory and made him kind of like just a red herring. Yeah, like John Doe is mm-hmm. almost like a Tommy Jarvis type. Yeah, we we, but we meet him. Not he's the first good. one he meets, and he's in a plane or something, and he's like, "I thought I was out." Because mm-hmm. uh, he then they pull him back in. He pulls an Al Pacino. In. Just as soon as I thought I was out, they pull me back in. That's yeah. also a little homage to um, uh, the Twilight Zone. There, the uh, oh, the, the Nightmare at Forty Thousand yeah, Feet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or Jonathan Lithgow in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, directed by Jonathan Lithgow. I said John Lithgow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that sequence in the Twilight Zone movie was directed by George Miller George of Miller, yeah. uh, Mad Max fame. And the Brian May that did the score for The Road Warrior did the score for this film. Because it's always kind of, you're kind of like, holy crap, it's Brian May from Queen. And then you're like, <laughs> no, no, no. Why did Brian May do so many Tr- Brian Trenchard Smith movies? I don't understand it. <laughs> totally different guy. Uh, all Brian May's become yeah. musicians. Mm-hmm. There, there's British Brian May and then there's Australian Brian May. <laughs> yes. I kind of prefer Australian Brian May. So let's got to be a Canadian Brian May yeah. there. Then. Brian May Adams. That's <laughs> Brian Adams' middle name. Uh, so let's go through the plot. So we're introduced to this kid as he's flying out, but he gets pulled back in when he falls asleep in the plane. We don't know what happens to the plane. There's some homages to um, to the, the, the Wizard of Oz with Freddy Krueger riding a broomstick. Wearing, yes. like, I'll get you my pretty and your little soul too. Well, that's when, um, uh, so so what happens is basically, uh, he's, he's, I guess he falls asleep. He thinks he's safe, though. He thinks he's gotten out of there. He's on a plane. I guess he got the last plane out of Springwood. Trying to get out of Springwood, yeah. Um, and then you've got the typical, like, bad passenger lady beside him going and being rude and stuff. And she immediately, we get some gratification. She gets uh, blown out of the sucked airplane. Sucked out of the airplane, yeah. Um, and he gets sucked below the airplane. He gets sucked below the airplane, and then mm-hmm. but then he wakes up. Oh, he's just at his house. And that's where we get the Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah. The, uh, the whirlwind kind of blows the... Uh, the house around. The Yeah, one of the walls off the house. And mm-hmm. we see Freddy in his uh, Wicked Witch of the West uh, garb. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and so, like, he lands... After some more dream shenanigans, he lands just outside of the city limits of Springwood, but turns and walks away. And this is what leads him to the town where... Oh, we do get the um, Freddy driving mm-hmm. a bus thing, which oh, I think yeah. he does in every single Nightmare movie. I'm not sure, but he, yeah. uh, he likes driving buses, and he really hams it up as the bus driver. In mm-hmm. I don't think he does it in the first one, but from the second movie onward, absolutely. Yeah, he yeah. does at the very end of the first one. Oh, right. Because... There's the cheese wagon, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I can't remember that movie that very well um so because we get the false ending where it's like mm-hmm. oh he's dead everything's good and then it's oh not. no he's not dead he's driving that thing <laughs> driving that thing 
Wasn't it the car? That I, I, thought, I thought it was like a school bus, which is what they pick up with immediately mm-hmm. in the second one. He's driving the school bus, but like, yeah. my memory is hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we are introduced to our main character, played by Lisa Zane, who I think, what is her name again? Oh, it's gosh, like Millie no, or Holly stick. or Billy. No, it starts with a K because... Um, it is Maggie. Okay. Does not Maggie, with the K, yeah. folks. So, so Maggie is a counselor at a group home for youths in uh, this town, which also seems kind of dystopian because oh, like, everything's um, spray painted up, or there's like plastic wrap because it's all everything's unfinished. everything's falling apart, and the kids in the youth home have like pipe bombs and all kinds of weapons that they keep in the basement for some reason. <laughs> it's a, like this is mm. the third pipe bomb I found this week. Yeah, this is dangerous. We're introduced to Yafet Koto, and Yafet Koto, of course, is from. Uh, alien and homicide life on the street and my personal favorite role of his as the bad guy in the James Bond film Live and Let Die that was the one that tapped into that was the weird J- James Bond movie that tapped into the black exploitation craze that was going at the, on yeah. at the time a real good funky soundtrack he's the voodoo priest in that movie he's the the guy that utilizes voodoo to help him with his evil drug ah, empire ah yes yeah fun stuff um, so we meet Yafet Koto, who plays Doc, who is a guy studying dreams. And He's got a terrible wig on. He teaches people how to, like, meditate to fall asleep, how to control your dreams, all that stuff, which comes in handy. Uh, we also meet Tracy, who is played by Leslie Dean, who is kind of like our tough girl, who it's implied that, like, she suffered abuse at the hands of her father. So and she's, she's, like, she's beating everybody up. She's trained in the martial arts. She's um, a real pain in the ass to hang out with because she just punches everybody and calls everybody a loser. The entire film. Kind of nice. Um... Then we meet Brecken Meyer, who plays Spencer Davis, and then finally Ricky Dean Logan as Carlos, our teenager with the hearing aid. And apparently he lost his hearing because his mother shoved something so deep into his ear that it, it caused yes, him that is, to go uh, partially deaf. Chekhov's hearing aid, as we yeah. know that yeah. Freddie will uh, be able Do to something. use it. Yeah. Um, and so basically John Doe, that's the character played by Sean Greensplat. Greenblatt. Um, Greensplat. Greensplat. And he... Um, he, he enters. He has, mm-hmm. yeah, he has that great scene where he wakes up and then we get that rock song. It's like, I woke up and I didn't know where, where I, I was. was. <laughs> Pain in my head and somewhere to go. Yeah, it basically, like, it's it's the kind of song that, um, that basically tells you what you're seeing. Until it starts mm-hmm. like, and then my baby. And yeah, and it like, like, turns uh, into a generic rock song. But. It's like mm-hmm. a pre-grunge song that has... Yeah. It's come full circle with post grunge. I definitely think like there's a thing in horror movies from 1989 to 1991, like the 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 post hair metal pre grunge because uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan has a bit of that too. Like you can tell like okay, hair metal is over. It's not it doesn't really feel like the 80s anymore, but it's still there's we don't know what the 90s is going to bring us yet. Um, so then where are we? So basically. Uh, at this point, Lisa Zane decides, as Maggie decides, like, okay, we're going to find out who this kid is. She's dealt with uh, teenagers who have suffered from amnesia before. She's going to go back to the town from which she came, which is Springwood, which he knows, do yes. not go back to Springwood. Then the plot manages to get yes. all our teens and mm-hmm. uh, our main character into the van on the way to yes, Springwood. Yes, because Tracy, um, Tracy, Spencer, and Carlos are all planning to escape from the youth home to go to California. Which is where you always go in every '80s movie. As it's, like, it's like the Wizard, basically. Yeah, we go to California. We need a power glove. Yeah, we do get a yeah. power glove thing. See. Yeah. Um, so they apparently they're all hiding in the back of the van. Um, and as they're driving there, uh, the what's his face, 
Joe, John Doe falls asleep, swerves the van, sees the little girl, sees that the little he's been girl seeing. that he's been seeing, who spoiler alert turns out to grow up to be Maggie. Yes. And all of a sudden we're like, oh man! Like you hear it from the back of the van, like there's some like rattling around. You look behind the Maggie and John Doe look behind them, and it's the kids from the youth home. Yay! Mm-hmm. We're so anyways, all together. They go to Springwood, which is only like two miles away from this town they're in. Which and is it's just yeah, it's 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 get, there's, sad a, there's city. a town fair going With on. No children. To be, and there's no children, and everybody's gone mad. Yeah. All the rides are falling apart. the The clowns are just drunks, but they still dress up as clowns. It's, it's so it's bizarre. It's like a Tom Waits song, to be honest. <laughs> it really yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> the sad carnival with no children. Oh, they should have got Tom Waits in this film, too. Clowns are sad and he drunk. He would have done it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Carnival of <laughs> sorrow, yeah. Yeah. Sad old carnival just carnival keeps on no turning. There's no children to be seen in clowns in years. Yeah. It'd be great. Um... And then basically there, there's some, this is where we meet Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold, and there's some weird shenanigans. And at this point, this is when they try to go, so uh, Maggie and John Doe split off from our teens. The teens are told just drive back home. So they're trying to drive around, but they get stuck in a loop, much similar to in Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which I'm remembering now, where Alice gets stuck in a time causal loop where she keeps repeating the same thing over and over again. Gosh. In this case, I don't know how I remember that from 10 years ago when I was in Scott's basement watching it. Um, and, but this time they're, they're just stuck. They can't figure out their way how to get out of they keep on Springwood. Circling, yeah. Yep. And as you pointed out, it's basically just a bunch of film sets. Yeah. Back lots. So. It's back lots. Like there's, <laughs> oh, there's a church five feet away from a house, five feet away from a school, five feet away from a general store. What kind of back lot? Could, and like, normally in back lots, you shoot close on that to cover up the fact that you're shooting on a back lot. And this one, nope. Wide. Put the camera down. Wide angle lens. We see the car driving through it repeatedly. I do. I very much got the impression watching this film that everybody is having a good time making it. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean they're making a good film. No. It's just like, eh, this is fun. I do have to say, I did enjoy watching this film. Like, there's enough. I think time plus bad movies equals good in a way. Yeah. Because it's got that camp quality. Yeah, to it's it. got that camp yeah. quality, and it's also it's a time capsule. Because like they reference Twin Peaks, like the Carlos, like at the town fair where there's no children and sad drunk clowns. Like, he's like, well, this town is like Twin Peaks, which it's not, but that's a topical reference for 1991, or 1991 they shot it. Yes. Um, so then where are we? So it's at this point where the kids... They go to Elm Street by mistake. Yeah, I know. It's like, what street are they walking to? And you see, like, a, a sign pole, and it, like, creeps up ever so slowly. No, it can't be Elm Street. That's the name of the movie. And there they are. They go into a house that's for sale. But it's actually bum bum bum. Nancy's sale. Elm Street house in disguise. Yes, and the for sale sign burns. It was, it was a clever ruse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Freddie covered it up. So at this point, uh, Maggie and John Doe have gone to a school where they kind of learned that Freddy Krueger had a child taken away from him in, in and, 1966. Yes, because the professors and the teachers are still teaching the classes. Even to though there's students. no one there yeah. because everyone's lost their mind. Because it's kind of like a precursor of Children of Men in that way. A little bit. Yeah, everyone kind of loses their minds when they're little kids did, did in the world. Did you eventually watch Children of Men? Soon. November. November. Sorry. I have it to watch. That's not quite what happens. In my mind it is. <laughs> Society continues to run. It's actually very interesting. They do a good job of it. You'll enjoy it. Cool. Alfonso Cuaron was definitely watching Freddy's Dead Planet. <laughs> he was like, he it's was just a remake, watching basically. it in the early 90s and he's like, I've got my movie. Um, so anyways... Where are we from there? Um, if I ever meet Alfonso Cuarón, I'm gonna ask him that. Like, so did you base Children of Men on Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare? And then he'll, he'll 
He'll be like, shh. <laughs> keep your mouth, keep your mouth shut. Um, you've cracked the code. Uh, so then we just get into basically uh, kids getting killed. Now we we've entered mm. this phase of the movie. So first, uh, Carlos kind of separates. Oh, we got that cool scene of him in the uh, van where he's like, "Where are we going? Open oh, the map, yeah, Carlos!" The map. And, and then he opens the map bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger. It keeps on opening. Yeah, and eventually it, it swallows almost yeah. the entire van, and he gets to one section, and that and says, it "You're says, you're fucked." And apparently, in the TV version, it said, "You're screwed," which is not as powerful, but still, no, still <laughs> same meaning. Also, I love the fact that they had enough foresight to shoot that to be to say, like, "Oh, this no. will eventually be on TV one day." Yeah, you are fooled. You're fooled. <laughs> that would be awesome. Forget um, you. <laughs> you are forgotten. Um, funny stuff. That's a good one. You're forgotten. You're forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> that means something else. It suddenly becomes very Which depressing. actually would be applicable to this film because yeah. when Freddy Krueger kills a kid in this movie, he actually takes their soul and the memory of them gets taken away from everyone around them except is, for Yafikoto. Is Yaffa that something Koto. new that they've kind of yes. introduced in this one? Because I don't remember new. that. They'd be like, what happened to this guy? Well, I think that's the thing. Like To, to finally kill Cre- kill Kreddy. To... F- Phil Creddy to, to, to Phil Creddy to kill Freddy, they would have to explain how he. We gets, are the Phil Creddies. They would have to explain how he got uh, how he got his powers, and so that's how they're doing it. Like, oh, he's actually collecting souls for these dream demons, and that's what keeps him <laughs> the powered. Dream demons are hilarious. They're just like Larry Curly and Mo. Like and they're three having guys. a good time, even after <laughs> Freddy dies at yeah. the end. They're like. <laughs> Ah, we be dream demons. Yes. <laughs> they could have been easily called this movie a nightmare on Elm Street 6, the dream demons. I would uh, love it if yeah. the backstory was that those the, that was uh, Mary, Mary Curly and yeah. the three, Mary Curly and when Mary they Curly died, and went to hell. Yeah, they became, they became the dream demons. demons. The three stooges back from the grave. No one's laughing now. Um, <laughs> oh, what happened next? Um, okay, so we they, there's so John Doe so and Maggie, but they do some stuff where they go to like an orphanage, and it turns out that. The woman at the orphanage recognizes John Doe, and he also recognizes. She also recognizes Maggie, but that's just Maggie saying like, "Oh, she's nuts," which she is. She's like rocking a horse with no child on. But it. this is where John Doe gets the impression: "Wait a minute, I might be Freddy's son." I'm Freddy's son. There's a reason why he kept me alive. Dun dun dun. But so, as we the the film alluded to earlier, like there was a photograph or a yeah. newspaper article that um, uh, mm-hmm. what's her face um. The psychiatrist, the doctor. Oh, she looks at so so in in John Doe's wallet because he can't remember who he is. There is a newspaper, newspaper clipping, clipping of a woman of a woman saying like, uh, "What is it? Kruger woman still missing?" Yes, and that turns out to be Freddy Krueger's wife. And she she's kind of looking at things mm-hmm. and she looks at the photo and she's yes. like, "Water tower, water tower." And then she like falls asleep. Or yes, something. <laughs> apparently, uh, yeah, as she falls asleep and she kind of has like a brief memory of or not a brief dream about. About Freddy Krueger, the the man, and the article animates. Mm-hmm. Oh, she, right. no, she, yes, yes, it does. Yeah, I forgot the about article that. animates. It comes out and says, mm-hmm. "I'll never tell," or something. Right, which is an homage to her mother telling Freddy Krueger that she'll never tell anyone that she found out that he's a serial killer. But uh, we don't know that it's. Uh, she goes into a dream state, but it's basically uh, she's getting chased around by a man who's wearing like. 60s dad clothes kind of like that yeah. kind of bowling shirt mm-hmm. that all dads wore back in those days and a cardigan sweater yes a beautiful and, uh, cardigan <laughs> uh, some, some tan pants he's chasing pants. around the yeah. yard and it's a little menacing but uh, we're not quite but sure but it's just and, happy and, dad yeah, yeah. time yeah 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 and it turns out that 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 might be Freddy Krueger's child so 
Um, where are we now? So basically, Carlos has fallen asleep on a filthy bed, as we all pointed out. Lillian, oh my God! He, Lillian is supposed to point out like that bed is dirty. He like, goes up to this room, he pats, he pats the, bed. the bed full of dust. Yeah, the, the pillows covered in dirt, and he's like, "This looks awesome." <laughs> it's a queen bed. Yeah. <laughs> and as I pointed out, like you know, he's living in a youth home. It's probably luxurious compared to his accommodations there. Uh, um, and then he he goes to sleep. Yeah. And that's what you don't want to do, mm-hmm. kids. And this is where we get all kinds of like he gets a flashback to his mother putting like a, a what should we call it? Oh, a, the uh, the uh, the Q-tip, the Q-tip uh, into his, his ear, ear through his skull, yeah. out the other side. It's pretty gross. It's knocks nice out gross. the hearing aid. At this point, he runs away from Freddy, who is Freddy comes chasing off. him, and then Freddy gives him chops off his uh, his ear. His he says, "Carlos, yeah. lend me your ear," and then he cuts off his ear. Uh, he, Freddy's always good mm-hmm. with those Shakespearean pun. Yeah, quotes. and then. Freddy, what happens next? Freddy um, chases him around and then he's gives around. him his hearing aid back. Oh, because he's eventually, like, yeah, because he's like he's pleading. He's like, please give, give me, me my, my hearing, hearing back. So he's like, very over the top manner. Yes, very over the top. That was Carlos's Emmy moment right there, or Oscar Oscar clip. Uh, Freddy tosses him his hearing aid. He puts it in. He's like, yes, finally, I've got my mm. powers back. And then the hearing aid go ahead, it's, goes. It's nuts. organic. It's got. It's like a spider. It, it leeches takes, into his head. Yes. And at gross. that point, becomes super powerful because yeah, he can hear. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a tap that's leaking. He's running to turn the tap off. It goes, whoosh, and then Freddy's taunting him with a pin. Yeah, he's, he's gonna drop a pin. We should point out that the the tap the tap dripping was like not just the tap. It was like boom, boom, boom. They, they do good sound design work here. I'm yeah. surprised there was no again no Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? Yeah, best sound design. <laughs> It was up against Terminator 2. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, darn. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Freddy, you know, drops a pin. Carlos catches it. And then Freddy drops a whole handful of pins, which just rattles Freddy like I love Carlos no at this point. He's like, you wouldn't dare. It's like, we have you of not. Course. Also, earlier, we, 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 we missed some funny stuff where Freddy, like, where Carlos was deaf, walk, wandering around the boiler room. And Freddy's just behind him, like, tiptoeing. Oh, and, like, my God. He's really. This is when he breaks the fourth yeah. wall. He's like, shh, to the camera. Yeah. And he's, like, tiptoeing behind him and making faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, Robert England hamming it up as much as he can. Very hammy. Uh, he's just, like, peak ableist here. Yeah, he's <laughs> oh, really God. making fun of uh, Carlos's disability here. It's not. Not, not kosher at all. Um, long story short, he kills Carlos by scratching his claws on a chalkboard that he expands out of nowhere, which is a pretty good sight gag because it's all... Also, we should point out that most of these effects are practical. They're actually in camera, which is like why I think, again, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010 sort of failed was because... That's what I was saying to he, Phil, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not a terrible movie, but the uh, CGI, CGI effects kills do it. not look better no. than the practical effects. They don't. Practical effects are always better. Like with uh, Freddy in Nightmare 1, where his face appears in the wall the the wall above nancy's bed it's they literally like stretch out some spandex that was painted the same color as the walls around him and just they lean his face up to it perfect and like the sinking staircase yeah. in the first one's still great oh yeah oh the marshmallow staircase yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so or the sinking bed when johnny depp dies when johnny depp gets eaten oh, that's yeah, right yeah um so at this point uh so carlos is dispatched at this point spencer is getting high He's, he's a stoned. stoner. He's watching a TV that's just he's a He's tripping broken. balls on pot. Yeah. He, is, he is, as they say, he's wasted on pot. As they, as well, they point New out. Line he's did, smoking that LSD strain. <laughs> New Line Summit did distribute Reef for Madness. Loud. So at this point, he kind of falls asleep, and this is where Freddy kicks. We get, like, Inagata DeVita kicks onto the soundtrack, and this is when, like, this movie, this section of this movie is awesome. Yeah, but all of a well, sudden, it, none of, things none get of the trippy. filmmakers have smoked pot before. No, of course not. <laughs> 
No. And the broken TV becomes a psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a Grateful he, Dead uh, dancing bear type thing. All of a sudden. And he gets sucked into the TV where he becomes part of a video game. Because That's earlier, really like the Lawnmower Man-esque uh, mm-hmm. CGI effects, or early CGI, I guess, computer effects, yeah. where the TV sucks him in. Sucks him in. And then Freddy's playing on like an old Amiga, whatever, um, uh, old, joystick. Yeah. Old, uh, like Atari joystick, yeah. yeah. And so he's playing the video game of Spencer. Like, I've got around. the power. Now I'm playing with power. That's what he says. Thanks. Yeah, that's the power glove mm-hmm. ad copy. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting to the power glove. So at this point, um, Tracy has brought back uh, Maggie and John Doe to help out. And John Doe's like, oh, my God, we got to go into the dream. They couldn't find Carlos for a yeah. while. Like, Carlos and, is missing. They couldn't find him. And Carlos is dead. And then they pull uh, what's-his-face out of the dream at this point. Yeah. Spencer, and he's being stomped on by by uh, That's some good practical Super Nintendo. effects, too. Yeah. His stomach really gets, like, Every time we see the Nintendo Freddy yeah. stomp on him, we see the, the his gut, like, retract into the floor. The Nintendo thing is so corny, though, and, too. And his dad appears. Oh, we forgot to mention Spencer's dad. Oh, yeah, dad. Spencer's dad. Like this weird uh, use of rich dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> he was like. There's an early scene where he's like, he's dressing down his son. He's like the stoner kid that he doesn't like. And yeah. then his wife comes in. Oh no, uh, the the woman comes in. He's like, nice job you did with my son. Maggie, Maggie played yeah, by Lisa Maggie, not nice his job wife, you did right. fixing my son. <laughs> and you know, apparently Spencer's dad. You know what? There's nothing to fix because, as Spencer points out, he's like, oh, I don't want to be. a like grow up to be my dad who's just a douchebag frat bro uh, date rapist or something yeah something like that is what he says yeah well good yeah, on you lots Spencer. of lots of weird because he also drops an allusion to he's like oh i remember when my dad tried to hook me up with his girlfriend's older sister and you're like gross. That, that, yeah that is gross um yeah they all come mm-hmm. all these kids come from abusive homes yeah it's bad so what happens next no because in the video game because like they're everybody's mm-hmm. They're trying to intervene and save Spencer and wake him up, and he's being demolished. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's when uh, John Doe is mm-hmm. like, I have to go in. You gotta knock me out with this piece of wood. No, but, like, Spencer's bouncing all around the house, and, right. you, and all these NES, these Super Mario-type... Uh, sound effects? Sound effects. Oh, the sound should... effects are great. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, like, just punching the walls and stuff and breaking his hands and, like, hitting the ceiling with his head. And, and obviously Lisa's doing injuries And Lisa's just himself. watching this because that's what you'd be doing. You'd be like, this is insane. Some guy's <laughs> bouncing around... A house with NES sound effects just bl- blasting in reality. Um, and even at a certain point, she's like, you know, when uh, John Doe says, we got to go into the dream and save him. And, and she's just like, that's crazy. And Spencer's like bouncing off the walls. And he's like, and this isn't? Um, got, you, got you the hair. So uh, John Doe gets Tracy to hit him with a piece of wood, even though she's like, I've got this whole, you know, way of like Doc told me how to fall asleep. And then he slaps her, and then she hits him with the wood and knocks him out. Which and is then, the movie thing where you can just hit somebody and once fall and asleep. they fall asleep. Instead of, like, either brain seriously, damage. well, either <laughs> that or just, like, really hurting them. Ow, like, yeah. injuring a cheekbone and breaking mm-hmm. their right. nose, and they're still awake. Exactly. And then five <laughs> seconds later, Tracy shows up in the dream, and he's like, how'd you do that? And she's like, Doc taught me through meditation and crap. And you're just like, oh, I guess you're right. Um... So at this point, they see Freddy Krueger just like sitting in the office of the boy room playing video I love games that. like a it's dork. Like, the, yeah, like, he's he's just got his feet up on the desk there. He's like, oh yeah, ha <laughs> ha Yeah. So he's he's doing his cracks, and uh, I guess this is when he pulls out the power glove. Oh well, my gosh, we steal... we forgot all about the uh, when when he finally kills Carlos when oh, he blows his head up. Yeah. He does say he's got oh. one of the nice hearing from you, Carlos. Yeah, they they were running out of puns at this point for sure. Um, what do we have? What do we have next? Oh, um, hmm. 
so I guess Spencer kind of gets stomped to death, basically. Yeah, well, well, the Tracy and John Doe steal the um, the game controller, and at that point we realize Freddy's not just wearing a regular version of his knife glove; he's wearing a power glove. He's like, "You forgot about the power glove." Yep. And then he starts playing with the power glove, which that the power glove in reality was worthless, useless. Yeah. Um, we got it one Christmas. I think the Christmas after mm-hmm. the Nintendo came up, the next Christmas, because one Christmas we got Nintendo, the next Christmas we got the Power Glove, and we all wanted it, and it's, it's just, just a, useless. It's just it a controller useless. on your arm, essentially. There was all these codes you had to put in. There was a whole yeah. friggin' alphabet that you would like, oh, we're going to type in all these complicated codes. No, yeah. we're not. This is stupid, and we're not going to use it. Exactly. It was aggressively marketed in the motion picture, The, the wizard. wizard. I love The Wizard. <laughs> yeah, and... If you were to watch the Power Glove commercials, you'd think it was basically like the Wii of nineteen eighty nine. Exactly, and like it's interesting how reality, it took. Of course, it wasn't. It took twenty years, but Nintendo finally figured they, out they how to never, do that. They never gave up the dream. No, and they, they had the Wii. It. And you know what? The Wii is very fun. Everyone, my parents own the Wii. For God's sake, I want a Switch. A Switch? Yeah, I want a Switch. Yeah, it looks I like, good. I like my PS4. I still like it. I gotta play. I gotta get a new game soon. I want that Untitled Goose game? Looks good. I don't know what that is. That looks great. WWE 2K20 is coming out. Now you're just a goose and you're going around f***ing with people. It's great. Did you have to say the F word? Now i got to bleep that out. It's more work for me now. (laughs) Uh, Phil, where are we? Okay, so... um, Breckenmeyer's dead. Well, Breckenmeyer, he's eventually tumbled down a bunch of steps and there was a portal to heck that he fell down. (laughs) Thanks for keeping it PC. Thank you. Yeah, and then uh, what's her face? The uh, the tough girl. She goes up. She uh, she actually kicks Freddy in the nuts. I think. Which takes everyone right for a loop because you're just like what? <laughs> and it actually works. Even Freddy's like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> she has no fear. And um, then he goes to slice her, but she gets woken up just in the nick of time by Maggie. Yep. And but they can't wake up John Doe, so they're speeding out of town. They're like, forget Carlos, forget what's his face, Spencer. Smoky McWeed face. Yes. Um. And but they stop when uh, what's they never his... find Carlos. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Note Spencer's. Yeah. Um. They stop one inch from outside of of Springwood when they when um uh what's his face uh, John Doe has a nightmare, and he is like ripped out of the out of the uh, van straight up into the heavens. Dropped out again. He's in back in the house from Wizard of Oz. Yes. He finally gets thrown out of the window. And because he wakes up once and he's like, oh, this looks like a normal, nice, normal street. Turns out it's not. He wakes up again. He's like, there's no way I'm getting out of this bed. And then the bed catches on fire. He's like, son of a. Two beds are burning. Um, and then he finally like jumps out and uh, he has a parachute. And par- parachute. 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 Wow, parachute. it's even better than a parachute. Parachute. <laughs> and the parachute opens up. Freddy's in the top of it. Of course he is. A little mischievous grin on his yeah. face, too. And then he comes down and this is where... where uh, John Doe says, "Like I know why you can't kill me." And this is, uh, and Freddy's like, "What? You think I'm your daddy?" And Freddy just becomes savage at this point. He's just like, "Oh, you think I'm your daddy, do you?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he slices. He cuts the straps on the parachute. Um, John Doe reveals falls. that um, you know it's I have a, a daughter. Girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have you, a girl. you brought me to her, or whatever. You brought me to my daughter. She's gonna take me to a whole new playground. Yeah, every town has an Elm Street. Ha ha ha. Um, yeah, there's lots of exposition while he's just cutting the strings off yeah. his parachute. Of course, it's how it's it's screenwriting 101. You dump exposition while something else is going on, so the audience doesn't think they're being fed up exposition. Wasn't that a tagline for like the second or third or fourth one? Every town has an Elm Street. It was probably in the trailer. 
Uh, yeah, I think it was this one. But anyway, so um, John Doe falls down. We see Freddy Krueger pushing a bed of nails towards him. He lands on the bed of nails, and we cut to the real world where uh, Maggie is watching like all these holes with blood. Like, And it's interesting how they do the effects. The holes go inward as if he mm-hmm, fell on a bed yeah. of nails, and he bleeds outward. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty creative. Yeah, they're, they're quite effective with these types of gore effects and... Pretty much all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. They, they yeah. thought about it. They put some mm-hmm. some work in. What what would it be like if a man fell onto a bed of nails? Oh crap! John Carl uh, Butchler uh, was the special effects makeup chief on the film. He did the same job in Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master. He also directed Nightmare uh, the New Friday Blood. the Thirteenth Part Seven, the New Blood. Yeah, he the did- late. John Carl Buechler. Yeah, he passed away uh, this year, actually, in March. He oh, also directed the original Troll. He directed um, Cellar Dweller, Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College, of course. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I, I can picture the Ghoulies with their little uh, mm-hmm. their little uh, graduate caps on coming out of the toilet. I've seen the <laughs> <Yeah>. poster for that. <laughs> and um, he did the special effects for the original Ghoulies from Beyond, Troll, Terror Vision, Dolls. What about Critters? Uh, he had nothing to do with that. Um, and he That's also speaking did, of New Line Cinema. Uh, oh, yeah, and he also did the special effects for Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Hell yeah. Tying it all back. Good yeah, career. good good solid career. And uh, we are sad to uh, to see him go. We're uh, By the way, November is going to be a memorial month. We're going to be watching movies by people who passed away. We're finally we're going to watch, uh, by the way, R.I.P. Robert Forster, who died this week. Yes, R.I.P. Um, to the King Robert Forster. Yep. We're going to be watching a Robert Forster movie. A, is in, um, uh, as we know, Quentin Tarantino's best film, Jackie Brown. Exactly. Uh, we're also going to be watching... The one that he didn't write. A Burt Reynolds. Oh, he adapted it. I know, I know. Jackie Brown is white in the novel. It's, it's true, yeah. Yep. He definitely it's is. an Elmore Leonard novel. Yeah. Um, we're going to be watching uh, Burt Reynolds' film, Smoking the Bandit, which I love to death. And we're going to watch two other films from people who have uh, sadly left us recently. We'll figure it out. Yes. There's the no shortage of... Uh, sadly, there's no watch shortage Spider of Spider Boy. Spider Baby? Spider Baby, yeah. <laughs> so Smoking the Bandit. Yeah, that's on YouTube for free. You can watch Spider Baby for free. Smoking nice. the Bandit, that's an Alfred Hitchcock favorite. It's a great film. Um, back to this film, though. So, um, after he's killed John Doe, he leaps into the head of yes. Maggie somehow. Well, and he first he ingests the soul of John Doe. Yes, jumps into her head, and then they drive, breaking the barrier. He leaves Springwood to go to the um, the youth home. Oh, we should. I, I don't want to digress too much, but uh, even though they do not use the skipping rope rhyme in this movie, you said yeah. it's the only movie that they this don't. This is the only Nightmare on Elm Street movie where they you don't, don't use the girls. It. They with, do with actually ropes. include the lyrics kind of cleverly as they're it's, going around the it's, town. Yeah, it's written on the yeah, on the ground. One, two, Freddy's coming for you, and then you'll see like a few minutes later, three, four, better lock the door. Four, five, six, where's your crucifix? Yeah, yeah. Seven, it's eight. Like pin and blood stay on. Stay pull down map in a classroom yeah nine ten never sleep again that's right um and where anyway are we so they get but they go back to the the halfway yeah. home or and whatever this is, is where we get another exposition dump where uh lisa zane falls asleep and we she learns that she is freddy krueger's daughter and that he killed her mother and uh, that's a long ass one and that um, he said, you'll never tell. And she said, I'll never tell, Daddy. And then she told, which is how she gets pulled away. Then we see the whole thing of like... When he gets burned he, to death. He also, it's, a, it's interesting because he's like, yeah, bring it on. They kind of change his origin a little bit where he said, they took away my child, so I took away all of their children. And um, it's, it's odd because that was never the motivation before. It was just he was a, a child killer. Um, so then he, they do the whole thing from Nightmare One where it's like, how do we finally kill him? It's like, well, you have to bring him into the real world. 
we do get uh, when does it happen where we uh we see freddy's childhood as well like we get that little bit of exposition that's that's during that dream sequence because she yeah. kind of like walks into the classroom and sees where he's uh he kills mm-hmm. the gerbil or the hamster yeah he beats a hamster to death and then, and then all, all the, the kids children taunt him, son of a hundred maniacs son of a hundred maniacs <laughs> that's an homage mm-hmm. to the third movie yeah, yeah. that's where we learn that he's the son of a uh, hundred maniacs, maniacs. bastard son i believe because yes. i believe it's a nun who mentions that yeah they, well she, the he, they raped a nun actually maniacs, yeah which makes it even more unholy and terrible. Yeah. Anyways, so at this point, are we in 3D territory yet? Not quite. Not quite. Although We're they almost. are very explicit about when we yes. enter 3D territory. <laughs> when she and puts on 3D glasses in her dream, she you put on 3D glasses, 3D glasses, and she puts wear. them on. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, we find mm-hmm. what's his face, the professor, who talks Koto. about how he can control uh, yeah. his dreams. Yeah, Yafit Koto. So we also see there's a scene where Tracy dreams and her father comes back, and that's when she fights her father, and her father morphs into Freddy. They do some pretty nice, like, in-camera tricks here where, like, you see the father's arm come up, and it's Freddy Krueger's, and then the camera pans around, and it's Freddy Krueger's. And it's clearly like they had, you know, Robert England reach in at off-screen, and then when the camera Move moved, the, ca- yeah, the, other the actor, actor away, away. yeah. It's you know what? It's such a creepy scene too. Yeah. You were you it's, were getting it was, the, uh, it's the very icky 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 because where the father comes home and he's kind of perving on his own daughter. Oh, he's like, just, oh, I need that. I need that honey. Uh, it's horrendously disgusting, and I hate it so much. No honey for daddy. Keeps on saying it. it like, and it, then Freddie says it afterwards. Yeah, it makes me want to vomit. But then she fights Freddie because she's tough. And she uh, escapes and she, by by like burning her arm. The old the yeah. old school uh, nightmare. The old Nancy trick when yeah. she like puts her arm against a hot uh, yeah. pipe. And then uh, what happens next? Oh, then Yafet Kodo has a dream, but he's controlling think, his dreams. We yeah, don't. we didn't realize that. We thought he's lost control, that he doesn't realize he's in a dream. And I was just slagging on him, like, oh, you talk a big talk, man, but you but just you dream know. like everybody else. And then he beats Freddy Krueger with a baseball bat, and then he wakes up because he, like, set alarms. he's been planning all of this. He's so like, it was very got him. Because um, he, he ripped part of a yeah. his sweater. His sweater, to, yeah. to, Like in the first one. Well, in the first one, Nancy brings back his hat, and she's like, oh, he can be brought into our world. And Lisa Zane, a.k.a. Maggie in this film, realizes she's his daughter, and she's like, I can bring him back into this world. Um, and so she does. They basically, she goes through, there's some more exposition, some more scenes. Oh, did we get um, to the kung fu, kung fu this bitch? That's when she's fighting her father. That's when she's fighting her father. Kung fu this bitch. Um, <laughs> that's his only bitch line in the entire film. Yeah, and so basically uh, Lisa wears the sunglasses, which takes her into... Freddy's Nightmare World. We see they're a lot quite of clearly 3D glasses. Yeah, and it, oh, they're uh, they say 3D on them. Yeah, um, but it's kind of good. I kind of wish we saw this in 3D because they did practical 3D effects of like going through a 3D world and stuff like coming like hands coming right into your face and stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the kind of the demons which are rep- represented the, as like the these de- stone the dream things, demons. Yeah, dream demons. They, they become three dimensional. Yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of uh, cool stuff there. And this is where we get all the the info dump about Freddy's childhood. This is where we see him as a teenager with the cameo by. The one, the only Alice Cooper as yes, his father. Yes, Alice Cooper as his uh, abusive uh, foster Stepfather. parent. And uh, the interesting thing is Alice Cooper did this film. He's, he says that lots of people ask him to do films, but they all want him to appear as his stage persona with like the makeup and the whatnot. No, he's off. Uh, he's, uh, he's definitely, and he actually got to play a, a character. He's not wearing, wearing yeah. makeup. Like He's definitely playing a character here. And it's almost like... You could have gotten anyone to play this role. It's just interesting that Alice Cooper did it because it's such a small role. And I, in my That's head, what cameo is for. It's, it's yeah, yeah. Cameo should be. In my head, I always thought this role was bigger from what I remember when I watched it. Yeah, when I, I remember was, that as well. Somehow. When I saw it at four a.m. in the morning on WB Twenty Detroit. Yeah. I guess we're considering this Freddy Krueger's first human kill. I guess because he does. Uh, 
he kills. Does he kill his father? Well, because we see him and he's, oh, he's cutting right. himself and he's having just a great old time. With just cutting his belly. He's like, oh, and he has man, that thing like so good. when you learn not to feel pain. Yeah, you can, when you when you, you embrace pain or something, yeah. you can control it. And then he's and, like, and he jabs the razor blade towards the camera, which I guess kills Alice Cooper. Um, and then at this point, uh, we see Freddy Krueger's like um, pre-burn whatchamacallit like workshop where we see different versions of the glove so there's like little hints at like other stuff he did before he became the dream yeah. demon so he was he was already like yeah. a serial killer I mm-hmm. guess um, before and then we see him being burnt he alive he was a killer of children he was a killer of children yeah. yeah and then we see him being burnt alive and this is when the dream, the three dream demons come and they all talk to him and they're like three floating heads with fish tails being like if you kill the children in our, if you collect souls for us, we'll keep you alive forever. And yeah, he's just is. like, sounds great. And then they all <laughs> jump into his body. Yeah, while he's being burned alive. Yeah. It's like out of a mm-hmm. Megadeth uh, video from the 80s or yeah. something. That's what they look like. Again, the Nightmare on Elm Street series is hair metal. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, Freddy becomes the, the Freddy, dream, the dream, dream thing. demon, yeah. And at this point, this is when Lisa Zane, like, uh, wraps her arms around him. She grabs him, and we can tell that, she, the, like, um... They're, yeah, the, the, and, and Tracy are trying to wake him like, up. They're all like, oh, she's got him, because the actress has her arms, like, yeah, hug kind hugged of around something that's someone that's not there. <laughs> and she struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles, and finally, like, wakes up. But, but Freddy's not there. No, he's somewhere else. And and I was thinking, oh, maybe she's still asleep. Maybe this is Freddy's. Because I couldn't remember how they get him in the end. Turns out, no, she's awake. But she says, like, things still look like, like they did him when I was dreaming. Which is basically a cue for the audience to not take off their 3D glasses. Yeah. So the end, basically, they, she finds, they're like, okay, let's go get some weapons from the arsenal in the basement of this youth home. Which they've been collecting weapons from youths, tons apparently. of weapons. Like some some of them downright like medieval. Like the spiked baseball bat, <laughs> which is like insane. Baseball bat. There's um, there's knives with like brass, brass knuckles, knuckles built into the handle. <laughs> there's ninja classics. throwing stars. Hell yeah. A uh, a what should we call it? A, um, a dart cro- crossbow. Crossbow, yeah. Crossbow. And so she notices Freddy in human form there in the. Um, it just, just simple old, just old Robert Englund. Yeah. old Robert Engel, England. Robbie England. Robert Engels. Yeah, Engels. Yeah, I can't. I don't know anymore. Co-writer of Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get out. Um, yeah, she's and then, just um, there hanging out, and then this is when they get into a fight, and she hits him with the spiked baseball bat, and he turns back into Freddy. Like, he drops his glove... They get into a tussle. She break, she he locks the door so that Yafet Koto and Tracy can't get in to save so him. So then they just kind of cheerlead, aka throw him knives, throw her knives and stuff, and they get into a fight. And she breaks his hand, so he she's can't got put that on one the, good. Uh, yeah, she's like she mm-hmm. she kind of uh, entwines her fingers uh, around mm-hmm. his fingers, and like I remember when we used to hold hands when I was just a little girl. I hated it then too, and she snaps <laughs> and his fingers. Snaps back. his hand in half. Yeah, basically. And, but then he's like, oh, he's screaming in pain. He's yeah. well, what's the he says like oh, I remember how like now I remember why it sucks to be human or yeah, something. Exactly. And he starts bending his fingers back, and she gets a hold of his glove. And he's but again, like, like they do this on. to you in every film, man. This is how they. You get should you. know better. Yeah, <laughs> you pull you pull out of the dream world. So they, so they basically like. Statley, she throws a bunch of knives at him to stick him to a wall. She picks up the 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 um, the, the, claw, the glove she picks up and the she puts it on glove, her hand yeah. and like stretches out to the camera because it's supposed to be in 3D. He's like, feels good, doesn't it? it? And then she stabs him in the gut and he's like, ah. And then 
she the basically like what set up one of the shurikens by the way goes right into his nards again so yeah, it's like yeah, twice yeah he gets shurikened in the or ninja started in the, in the, the nards um <laughs> ninja started in the nards started in the nards started in the nards that'll be our first album it's a country our country album started in the nards <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, what happens next? Oh, oh yeah, there's a lit pipe bomb that uh, Tracy's hands on, which is a callback to the first scene when Breck and Meyer, when everyone's like, "How did Breck and Meyer get a pipe bomb in here? Yeah. What would you use it for?" And he's like, "I don't know, nothing." And then, it, <laughs> <laughs> so then Lisa saying catches it, and she like stuffs it in a- Freddie's mouth. Oh is no, she stuffs it into a wound, a wound. Yeah. yeah, into a wound and shoves it into him, and she they all run away, and Freddie's like. Oh no! And then he looks at the, at the camera and goes, "Kids." Yeah, like he shrugs his shoulders, yeah. like, "Oh, kids." And then, then it explodes, and, and the head the... flies towards uh, yeah, the camera. Yeah, the, the claw actually flies towards the screen. The uh... and so does the head. Yes. And then, oh, a couple times too. Yes. It, like it comes out of his mouth, and yeah, yeah some they really mil- are milking that three D effect. And then it cuts and back the, to yes, three D glasses reemerge. Well, right. you, well, first we see the uh, the three demons who are like now freed from his soul, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is fun. Whatever, we'll go find another one. Yeah, <laughs> this doesn't slow us down at all. We're immortal, stupid. <laughs> Um, and, and then yeah, then mm-hmm. uh, and then Lisa Zane turns to the basically they say it like the three D character glasses reappear like Phil was saying the, takes, takes off the glasses, which is a sign for the audience to do the same, and uh, turns to Yaffa Koto and Tracy and finally says like Freddy's, Freddy's dead. dead. She says it. Cut to credits. The end, and that is the last in canon appearance of that iteration of Freddy Krueger. We get we get the best of montage during over the credits, uh, yeah. over an Iggy Pop song, which I think yeah. is called Why Was I Born. Um, pretty rough song and yeah that was that's pretty it was fun it, I, I would say like if you are a hardcore fan of this series you probably didn't like it because it was such a limp way to go out i think if you're a hardcore fan of this series mm-hmm. you embrace all freddy's uh well except for new nightmare as i found out on the uh uh, uh nightmare on the street he comes out of the movies it's, it's even creepier he exists in the real world mm-hmm. I really like the time. I don't know how much it holds up because when I saw it, it was like, "Whoa, it's so cool! It's so meta, man!" Yeah, I remember that was the one Freddy that they would show on Showcase on its like movies. Yeah, I remember New that. Nightmare. That's where I saw it. Yeah. See, Roger I saw- Ebert liked it. I yeah. think uh, what's his face, the Tiff guy, actually, Cameron. Cameron Bailey. Bailey yeah. He introduced it, and even. I remember when he used to host Showcase. Yeah. That's how I saw Tarantino films for the first time when they would do their Tarantino weekend. Where yeah, it was him and Valerie Bahajur, who yeah. was the star right, of yeah. the, the, all those early Bruce McDonald movies. Yeah. Classic Canadian uh, uh, TV here, folks. Classic yeah. 90s TV. Well, that was the thing. Like, I watched most of the Freddy movies on WB20 Detroit out of uh, out of Detroit when I was living in Windsor. And they would show, like, 4 a.m. in the morning, here's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Or, like, two on, like, Sunday afternoons, here's Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Um, it was super fun. <laughs> They all spoke like Terrence. <laughs> they all spoke like a South Park Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> it's Friday the 13th part 2, buddy. <laughs> they never said Friday the 13th, though, oh, okay. which is kind of sad. I, I, I like Friday the 13th films, as you know. Um, so, guys, uh, where, how are we feeling right now? Like, this is the end of the Freddy canon, so to speak. Um, we don't really know. Where, I'm not as enough of an authority on the Nightmare on Elm Street films to discuss whether Freddy vs. Jason counts. I, I'm guessing the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street does not count. No, well, because they reboot the series, so it would just be yeah. like the, uh, the, the new mm-hmm. Friday the 13th movie they did. 
That wasn't a reboot, though. I, I kind of consider that the new Friday the 13th movie to be Friday the 13th Part 11. Oh, okay. Because they, outside of, like, just showing, Even like... they just steal the plot points from earlier ones, but I guess that's but they, they But they do. don't, though. That's the thing. It's just there's a different group of kids, and he just happens to get a, a hockey mask. There's no... no plot points like it's it's uh, like the camper guy from number two basically it's his he does the same thing where he he goes he's camping he's searching for his dead no i'm telling you man that that's part that that is part four and no he's not his dead sister his missing sister who is still alive that's the thing like friday 13th the remake from 2009 is is just a sequel in disguise other than the fact that they show the opening like i just Oh, man, that opening 20 minutes is just great. So okay. kind of like Halloween 2018, basically? Yeah, I'd say to a degree, but not as good as Halloween 2018. Halloween 2018 was, was much better than Friday the 13th, 2009. Um, With, uh, oh, what's his face? God damn it, I can't remember his name. Jared Pilecki? Yeah, there yeah. he is. <laughs> um, and, yeah, oh, man. I, yeah, I'm such a fan of Friday the 13th. Did, well, you, ever see, did you see the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, by no. the way, the Jackie Earl Haley? I, I was interested that Jackie Earl Haley was in it, but then I realized how short he is in real life. Yeah, and he do, he does play mm-hmm. it up. It's it's not a jokey Freddy. It's like a I am a child molester murderer. Yeah, and like I thought, the interesting thing was initially it's like, yeah, I guess we can't have that guy making gags if we're gonna go yeah. if we're gonna lean into the and, fact and like that he's a terrible origi- person. Initially, like I heard initial reports of like scripts being written where it turns out that he was a victim of mob violence where he actually wasn't the killer. It was just he was an accused, but the mob still wanted his head, so they killed him anyways, which is he's getting revenge, which makes him a much more interesting character than just like, I, you know, a dirty child molester. Um, Poor Jackie Earl. Yeah. Typecast after little children. I know. Still working, though. Still doing okay. I'm sure he is. Um, so, Phil, what is your final thoughts on Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare? Yeah, it's watchable. It's it's enjoyable in that sort of um, early '90s, in retrospect, totally janky schlock. I mean, it was janky schlock back then, but it's there's just that hindsight which kind of makes it watchable, even though it, the movie's pretty terrible in its own right, and they're basically just rehashing old ideas or just kind of like grasping at straws. Yeah, Kit. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the original Joker film. This is uh, he's a, he's a prankster. <laughs> Freddy Freddy is a uh, he's, well, we do he's see a his, twisted yeah, individual. We see that he's the original like, prankster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got a dark sense mm-hmm. of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not dropping an Offspring clip for that. <laughs> that was that Dang was it. that was when the Offspring like kind of like lost their way with original prankster. Anyway, yes, uh, <laughs> I don't know what we're talking final, about. Offspring. Yeah, final well nineties, uh, bro. No, I uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's campy, uh, ridiculous, over the top. Uh, but I I had fun watching it. I la- I laughed at uh, mm-hmm. Robert Englund going just full tilt over the top, just, just uh, hammy McHamster, hooting and hollering and winking yeah. at the camera and doing his little dances and stuff. And I'm like, well, he's having a good time. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, it's nowhere near. I think the kind of uh, horror, kind of pure terror. Uh, you know, a, 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 a child killer that can invade your dreams and mm-hmm. he's messed up and he's ugly. That uh, was supposed to be the idea. Yeah, like, it's just Nightmare so one, removed yeah. from that. It's become this ridiculous idea, mm-hmm. a parody of itself, and it really is. It's just they're yeah. just having a fun time. Freaking Roseanne and Tom Arnold are in it for no good reason. Yeah, just because um, they were popular. At the there time. are probably other cameos that don't like don't register with us anymore because we don't remember those actors who were around at the yeah. time. But people were just having fun, mm-hmm. and it translates well enough that it's it's not a bad watch. But 
you know, it's mm-hmm. a good two and a half star movie is what you'd say, I guess. Right down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> like the stunt casting of Johnny Depp was amusing enough. Well, I think that, that was more an homage. Also like a, yeah, yeah that was also like a topical nod. He was doing those, yeah, he was he doing was those doing anti-drug PSAs, commercials, yeah. which I remember from when yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, this is your brain on drugs. This is your brain on yeah. drugs. Yeah. But was he in those? Yes, he was. Really? Okay. I, for some reason, I don't remember. I just remember the dad. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we had good PSA, PSAs up here. Well, my, me and my sister, we were talking about don't you put in your mouth PSAs. Remember the, the, the brain that was all wires? Like, oh my God, they did that. Mm. And also like, do you know what? Everyone won't know what a bag of crack looks like. And oh, it's a yeah. body bag, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nice. And then there was the robot that jumps around. He's like, I can repair myself, but you, you can't. can't. Oh, the, that's the War Amps one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good times. Yeah. Anyway, this, uh, these mm. were all... Uh, uh, Fun cultural artifacts that uh, were around the same yeah. time as this, and which that's... is why we're we're doing our whole '90s series just to kind of like dip our toe in, into it, and then which brings us to next week when we're watching the apex of '90s horror. Well, so you're you're an outsider to the uh, to the Nightmare on Elm Street. I think you've kind of already given your opinion, Graham. Uh, but uh, what, it, do you, what do you think? Was it's it... fine. I li- I like it more as a cultural artifact than an actual film. It, it, you must think it better than some Friday the Thirteenth movies. No, like Jason goes to hell. No. It's not even better than Jason Goes oh, to oh, Hell. Oh, wait, wait. Yes. Yes, it is better than Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> After well, your wait. endless rain. <laughs> so, Kit, uh, before we were rudely interrupted, you were asking me as an f- outsider of the series. Yeah. What What? What do you? Th- what are your final thoughts? What do you and, think? Well, How does this rank in terms of uh, oh, don't kind of his contemporaries? Is uh, the Michael Myers and the Friday the Third, uh, the Jasons and the the pumpkin heads to a well, lesser extent. Well, I think, so here's the thing. So Phil asked me, but I'm not sure if it made it in before we got the, we got cut off, but uh, Phil asked me like, you know, or did you, was it you Phil that said like, uh, do you like it? You know, surely oh, it's going to be better than then, Jason Goes to uh, And I was like, no. And Jason I was like, and then Phil was like, but you want to end up around? I'm like, yeah, it's better than Jason Goes to Hell. But my, my, what, my point I was getting to was the, the thing is at the time of this movie, they had killed Freddy and then they, New Line Cinema had acquired, the reason why Paramount stopped producing Friday the 13th after 1989's Jason Takes Manhattan is because New Line Cinema had bought the rights in order to do a Freddy vs. Jason flick. And they thought, okay, we'll end the Freddy, the the um, Jason series with Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday, much as a, as a parallel to Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare. So Freddy's Dead the Final Nightmare. They both go to hell. And they both go to hell. But then they were stuck doing scripts for for years, and there were so many different. I've read so many different iterations of the Freddy vs. Jason script before there actually was a Freddy vs. Jason script. Um, there were some interesting ones where, and I'll just touch on it briefly because we're almost done. But where it turns out that Jason is actually a real person, and all the Friday the Thirteenth movies are based on his exploits, and it turns out that he is actually one of. Uh, Freddy's original victims who and the reason why Jason is a psychopath is because he hasn't slept in over 20 years oh. and so he's gone insane and Man, so would really screw up the canons of uh... yeah so it's interesting yeah they did a lot of stuff like that there was also something where Freddy killed um, one of the main characters in the there was also this like cult of Freddy worshippers called Fredheads that kept on trying to res- <laughs> but they carried on again with the cult thing they, yeah. but they carried on through every there was like six scripts where the Fredheads would pop up and be like we're here to resurrect Freddy and like they were like the real villains of the piece and there was one where um, they're like uh, the the kids from Elm Street go to Crystal Lake to just sort of like try and get away from a weekend, but the Fredheads like capture them and they ritually sacrifice 
um one of the, the the main teenage girls like who's the protagonist like her boyfriend who's also named jason they cut his heart out and throw it into crystal lake and it falls into the the corpse of jason <laughs> Voorhees and brings him back to life they're doing all this stuff to try and be like okay how do we make jason the good guy and then what i like about brian using script which was written by um shannon and swift was who also wrote wrote the uh the friday the 13th uh quote-unquote remake was they're just like let's just have Freddy resurrect Jason to scare people into bringing Freddy back to life. But then Jason doesn't, you know, won't go away. So everyone's afraid of Jason. And I don't want to discuss the plot of Freddy versus, J- Freddy versus Jason here because we'll it is late. It. We'll watch it eventually. Yes. So my final thought is it was entertaining. It we was did. a good cultural artifact. What do you think the of the, uh, the, the gore, the, the kills? Were they uh, gory enough? No, uh, I feel I feel they weren't that. For a series that's known for its innovative dispatchings of characters, I didn't feel it was that innovative. Like, like the, the Q-tip in the ear. That the was Q, but gross. that wasn't the death. Though. That was gross. Um, but like, I, I much more prefer again Friday the Thirteenth. Like more like how the hum- the human kills or but I don't I also don't I don't watch a horror movie for its kills. I watch a horror movie for its horror. And well, some of the gore is kind of a good some would say. Some, yeah. Some of the good stuff, right? I also think the problem is at this time you had KMB effects ripping it up like crazy with their Night of the Living they did the special effects for the Night of the Living Dead remake. They did special effects for Army of Darkness. They were and Evil Dead 2 like they were really coming into their stride at this point and they kind of set a new level. They would go on to do um I don't think they did New Nightmare, but they did uh, From Dust Till Dawn, the original one. They did all of Tarantino's films. They did the the special effects for Reservoir Dogs, for Pulp Fiction. Death Becomes Her? No, I don't know who did that. (laughs) That, Those those are some good special special effects, too. So anyways, we've talked a lot about Freddy's Dead, the Final Nightmare, a film that really doesn't deserve as much of a deep analysis as we went into. Ah, well, we kind of covered the whole series a bit. It was fun. So, it's, a, it's a formative series. It was a formative yes, series. We will, we will be back next week with the final installment of Ed our Kit. Horror in the 90s yes. um, series uh, with the Wes Craven going to, to a proper Wes Craven film. The 1996, the, his comeback in the 90s, after his comeback in the 80s, after his debut in the 70s, it is Scream. I'm excited because that means I get to play Nick Cave's Red Right Hand. Nice. Which is a great song. Maybe some Ghostface Killer even. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm Graham signing off for myself and Lillian saying, please be sure to rewind. We will see you next time. Keep watching awesome movies. Good night. That's what I say. But his hope was a rap and he should have known It's hard to understand There was love in this man I'm sure all would agree That his misery was this woman and things Now Freddy's dead That's what I say Everybody's misused him Reality, what does it mean?
ain't nothing said Cause Freddy's dead 